Society is breeding a new kind of criminal. It's also breeding a new kind of cop. Meet Cobra. He does the job nobody wants. Welcome back to the Heart God Media Podcast. Today we are covering 1986's Cobra, featuring Sylvester Stallone, Bridget Nielsen, uh, some other uh, familiar faces and maybe not so familiar faces, but uh, we're coming hot off the heels of Rocky IV, which was 1985, and he follows it up with this, uh, Bridget Nielsen starring in both, uh, and uh, so began her little... uh, Soiree, soiree with uh, Mr. Uh, Sly Stallone and uh, Eric. Uh, are you ready to talk some uh, Marion Cabretti today? I 100% am. Can't wait. Now this is kind of. Uh, I mean, this is uh, this is a perfect uh, action film that encapsulates the time period in 1986. Does it not? Oh, for sure. Just the 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 way the film is shot and. Uh, the aesthetic of the film definitely bleeds, not only bleeds the 86, but it bleeds the what Stallone was doing in 86. Oh, yeah. Uh, now, for some reason in the 80s, too, uh, it was just a hot, it was a hot, uh, I guess, story to, to tell was uh, a, the rogue cop. It was a, it was a hot button. Uh, well, I mean, now it's a hot button issue, but I mean, they were, they really, there was a lot of cop movies I, I mean, obviously, you have like the Dirty Harrys and shit like that, which, uh, which some of the actors in this appear, appeared in a, a few of the Dirty Harry uh, films. But um, you get you got a lot of uh, rogue cop movies, you know, uh, you, you know, these renegade cops that are doing justice their way. Um, there was a lot of that in the eighties. The co- cop movies were huge in the eighties. Lethal Weapon, Beverly Hills Cop. You know, and even in the later 80s, you know, the Tango and Cash, I mean, obviously, I think one of them was a cop, right? And the other one was an attorney in Tango and Cash, but... Exactly, yeah. But, you, I mean, you're so right. There's, I mean, there's how many movies, there's countless films where there's like a rogue cop or a, a, a cop not to be trusted, uh, you know, lethal weapon and all the, like, so many of those films, and this is obviously right up that same alley. Oh, 100%. So, I mean, the... Uh, the the poster itself it, it seems like that you draw a lot of similarities to the Terminator poster as well right yeah hundred percent I mean that's obviously we got a tagline tagline crime is a disease meet the cure C- 
Cobra. Can we just talk about how taglines also were like so much more of a thing back then? They're they're non-existent now. <laughs> There's like they don't even matter now. But I feel like they they meant so much to films. Like what do, what tagline are we putting on this poster? Like what what's going to be the big tag tagline that's going to sell the film? And now it's just like they don't even give a shit. So just kind of it's just an interesting thing when it comes to filmmaking. One of those little little niches that uh, isn't around anymore, but meant so much back then. Oh, yeah, you think of, like, Alien in Space, No One Can Hear You Scream, Aliens, This Time It's War, uh, Hell... Yeah, countless, so many ones. Yeah, Hellraiser, Demon to Some, Angels to Other, Others, uh, you know, it's, it's, it is crazy, uh, and even, like, looking at, uh, so I have the fucking, I have the, they would have, like, I don't even know if they're, they were necessarily, like, taglines on some of them, but they were, like, you know how in Terminator, on the Terminator poster, it said, you know, in 1984, uh, and it gave like a little, it almost gave it like a brief synopsis of what the film, what to expect from the film. Like looking at the 1994's classic Airheads right now, uh, they were a rock and roll band that couldn't get arrested. That was before they took an entire radio station hostage. <laughs> I mean, exactly. They meant so much to the film, so. So this is directed by. Uh, George P. Uh, Kuzmatos, um, who was, uh, it was a, he was a pretty, um, I guess, you know, he directed, uh, First Blood 2, obviously Cobra, when I did, did Tombstone, he did Leviathan, uh, he's got some, uh, interesting film credits to his name, but I know he was a pretty, uh, polarizing person to work with, I know a lot of people, had it out with them on sets and things like that. And of course this one, uh, as, uh, I found out was not much different, but to, uh, to dive right into the film, it's, uh, we get, uh, the film opens with like this weird, uh, for lack of a better, uh, word cult, uh, clanging axes together. And this is what we would know as the, the new, the leaders of the new world, the heroes of the new world. Uh, yeah, the new order, right? Yeah, yeah. They they, they like refer to themselves as yeah. They 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 mention they refer to themselves as like the new order. Uh, I think they even they call themselves you know the uh, the gentleman that's in the uh, that's in the uh, supermarket says he's a hero of the new world. Uh, who that is? Uh, not not to jump too too much ahead, but that's Marco Rodriguez. Who was actually, uh, you know, he's credited as the supermarket killer in this, uh, but he he is. Uh, we would uh, be familiar with him because we are big fans of uh, Eastbound. Eastbound down. Yeah, he was the Charles manager. <laughs> so, you know, I, I didn't put that together until late. Obviously, later on, you're watching it later. But yeah, that's so hilarious. It's like uh, I can only, I imagine Danny McBride brought that up to him while they were on set. For oh sure. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, one hundred percent did. So Sly wrote the screenplay. Now I would I would probably surmise to say that he got uh, itchy and scratchy with Bridget Nielsen enough on Rocky Four that he's just like I'm gonna write, I'm gonna be a road cop, and uh just gonna be in it. Uh, right, it's, it's loosely based off of a novel as well, right? Right, like, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, and then he wrote the screenplay. So you're probably one hundred percent right about that. Now, uh, I, I could be wrong, I could be off, because I know there are several uh, grocery store 
openings uh, in action films in the 80s. But uh, I, for some reason, I, I obviously, for me personally, I saw the movie Stone Cold from 91 before I saw Cobra growing up. And then I saw Cobra later and I was just like, oh shit, Stone Cold seems to have maybe have lifted that little whole scene where the rogue cop comes in to take care of business for, for some scumbag that's in there, uh, you know, holding people hostage. Uh, that, you know, immediately when I saw Cobra uh, years and years ago, probably at this point, it was probably 15, 16, 17 years ago, I was like in, you know, seventh eighth grade ninth grade something like that so even longer than that like 18 years whatever it was a while ago but i had saw stone cold long before that and i immediately was like oh shit i wonder if uh, stone cold might have uh, ripped that yeah i mean it's very it's very simple just very similar in like i mean it's it's kind of like you know if there's two metalcore bands in 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 2004 that had similar riffs i mean it's not that hard that they never heard of each other and they just fucking happened to have both ripped off on earth Exactly. Yeah, I mean, you could have drew, drew some influence from that film for sure. I mean, I can't obviously. I know we can't speak to it. Uh, we don't know imp- exactly, but I'm sure that there was a little bit of uh, a nod to it. So we get the Charles manager uh, in uh, in the store. He's obviously he's got some people hostage. There's great Pepsi free. Uh, you see it everywhere in the store. There's like a Pepsi machine. They got a little product placement with Pepsi. As well as uh, Coors Light. Yep. Uh, so we. Uh, Cabretti hits. Cabretti takes a little sip of the Coors as well, just to show it's good. Oh yeah. There's cop. The cops run on. Rogue cops run on Coors. <laughs> uh, but we get. Um, so well, Cabretti rolls up, and he rolls up in probably one of the best uh, cars uh, of the '80s. It's actually a 1950. Custom Mercury with a vanity license plate, awesome 50. I don't know what the 50 is about. Um, but Oh, yeah, because it's a 1950 Mercury, I guess. But mag, He's got mag wheels on it, vanity plates. He obviously rolls in there. I mean, do you know what the, the thought process was behind the character of Marion Cobra Cobretti uh, chewing on a match? You know what? I don't know. It's an interesting... Uh, I guess it's part of his... Uh... You never know when you got to light something on fire, I guess. Yeah, it's part of his like personality, part of his uh, his overall feng shui of, uh, I don't know, he's a, he's a loose cannon. So he, instead of a toothpick, he's rocking the, you know, the, the match. The strike anywhere match. <laughs> but yeah, so we're, we're in the grocery store. We get this, uh, uh, Stallone goes over the, the loudspeaker or whatever you want to call it, starts shit talking the guy, busts open from behind him, you know. He's like, I'll blow this whole place up, man. And then we get a class. We get classic, like, I don't give a shit cop attitude with, go ahead, I don't shop here. Yeah. Throughout the entire flick, uh, Stallone has these great dry one-liners that you can tell he was trying to deliver and like want it to be like such a hilarious moment, which they are laughable for sure. But that's that's the opening one. Do you? Th- I, I wonder if though, when these movies movies like this came out. Where it was more seen as like more, it wasn't as funny as it is to us in 2021. Probably, I don't. Know. I mean, I I gotta imagine when they wrote these lines that they they wanted to add the comedic relief, but who knows how it was viewed? <laughs> uh, yeah, who knows how it's viewed this this many years later? So, so uh, we got this guy spouting off how he's a hero of the new world. 
Uh, and Stallone, uh, Stallone wastes him. Uh, and, uh, here we are and he comes out and we got, um, we got Mr. Um, we got Mr. Hellraiser himself, man. Andrew Robinson, uh, yeah. playing, uh, Detective Monty, uh, another great, uh, great role, uh, for him. We got, also got Art LaFleur who plays Captain Sears. Art LaFleur has been in, uh, fuck, The Blob. He played Babe Ruth, Ruth in The Blob, or not in The Blob, uh, in uh, Sandlot. He was in The Blob. And he, yeah, he's in countless movies, literally countless Yeah, movies. That, that dude's got just like, I'm not sure what his, uh, he's got to be in close to probably a couple hundred movies, I would assume, because the guy was just yeah. in everything. And uh, they're putting off the vibe that uh, they don't like the way Cabretti does his work. You know, they, they don't want to bring him in on certain things. They bring him in on this to deal with the, the worst of the worst. So Yeah, he handles the real scumbags. Yep. He's on the zombie squad. The zombie squad, which That's was, I guess, correct. based off at an actual, like, uh, like tactical force in Berlin, Germany. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. It's... Uh, it's pretty interesting to to throw that in there. There's always like little things, you know. Stallone's just like, actually, the zombie squad was a real thing. I'll put that in there. <laughs> you know, it's funny because Stallone is portrayed as such a, you know, uh, for a long time people portrayed him as such as like a meathead. Like, no, he's a he's a actually place. yeah, smart, well spoken. Yeah, he's very very deep, smart dude, and like very you know articulate and. And is a great writer, as we can see, since he's wrote some amazing movies. 100%. So we got a... So, yeah, one of the reporters, obviously, is giving Cobra some shit, saying, you know... I mean, which is kind of... Dude, this is actually, you know, re-watching this film. And it's probably been a few years since I watched it. Uh, I, I watched it when I when Scream Factory put out the... Uh, the Blu-ray release a couple years ago, but I haven't seen it. I haven't watched it since. Uh, and when I watch these things, I watch it. I just, I know them like the back of my hand, but when, when you get, we're getting ready to talk about it, I, I start picking up on little things that I want to talk about that I was just like, Oh, I either, I never really noticed that before, or I never really thought beyond just watching the movie and enjoying it. But for sure. Uh, but yeah, we got a reporter saying, you know, doesn't this guy have rights? Why did you kill him? Doesn't, you know, which is, I mean, it's a, that's a hot button issue right now. Like, with how certain cops treat certain people. Granted, these guys, we're not talking about, you know, these these uh, these scumbag trash cops now that are, are they're racially profiling people and stuff like that. This is more just like guys that are literally like robbing people and murdering people and holding hostages in, um, in a grocery store. So there's obviously a huge difference there. But this is pretty relevant, you know, rogue cops, like, doing stuff. And, and, and by no stretch of the imagination am I trying to paint uh, Marion Cabretti as, like, a, you know, a piece of shit cop. I think his heart's in the right place. I think he's doing the right thing because these guys are guys that are literally murdering. And there's a, you know, a murderer, you know, they're, they're calling the Night Stalker, the Night Slasher, you know, out. And they think it's one guy doing it. But this reporter calls him out and says, you know, doesn't this guy have rights? And... Cobra then lifts the sheet up for the kid that he killed, uh, this guy killed in the store, and said, tell his, tell that to his family. Exactly, yeah, the scene definitely sheds a light on, like, the scrutiny of the media, and and, and like you said, it, it really does, when you, and I, I recently rewatched this as well, and it, and it does kind of reflect on a lot of the stuff that happens now, and, you know, with the... You know the media is in everything, scrutinizing things, and 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 the, even like the you know the police. Like I feel like 
you know, what they can do almost like with their power. So this is interesting that this many years ago, it's, it's really, it's the same things are going on. Oh yeah. 100%. So, uh, so, uh, Cobra pulls up to his apartment and, uh, he, uh, he pushes a car out of the way. He, he gets called, uh, something in Spanish, uh, and he rips the guy's shirt and the guy's got a wire on. So he's an undercover cop. So Cobra must've knew who he was. I told him to clean up his act. Yeah. Life up. Now, one of the best things that I've ever seen in any movie—no, uh, n- nothing excluded—is uh, he goes to his apartment. He kicks on the TV. We got a Toys R Us commercial, but he cuts a slice of pizza with scissors. He cuts the pizza in half and then just eats the square, crustless tip. What the fuck was that about? I don't know. I, you know what? I don't know. And then he pulls. He also didn't he have like his his gun cleaning kit. And yeah, he started cleaning and, his gun. <laughs> yeah, the pizza thing was like very interesting to me. He pulls out one lone slice of pizza, snips the tip with a, some scissors, and just eats that. I if I ever uh, met Stallone, that'd be the one thing I'd ask him. I would have no other real question for him <laughs> other than that. I mean, it is interesting, you know, when when we watch these films so closely, it's well, there's little things like that that have to make, they make you wonder why. Why that decision to do that? Yeah, po- I mean? possibly inside joke, or maybe Cabretti is just like, "Dude, don't eat the crust; it's too many carbs." <laughs> uh, but he is, that is a that is an overall uh, topic in the film, though. He he gives his partner crap about the stuff he eats. And yeah, yeah. I, food is an interesting. Uh, Tell him to eat fish and rice because he's just fucking <laughs> yeah, eating. Like, throughout the entire flick, he's. They go back and forth on food, which is uh, which is funny, like a little between the two partners. I do love that his partner, uh, who is played by uh, Renzi Santoni, he was in like Sopra- or Sopranos. He was in. Um, unfortunately, he passed away in August. I just, I'm just, oh, really? I just see that now. Well, it's he's a, terrible. Yeah, he's another one. You, you, he's one of those. He's one of those guys. One of those actors that you see and you recognize because he's been in so much stuff. He's another one, just been in so much stuff. But uh, I was, uh, unfortunately, he passed away to th- of throat and lung cancer, but I was familiar with him as Poppy from Seinfeld. Uh, you know, go, po- yeah. Poppy's pretty sloppy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, another guy that had just been in a million different st- things, and they have a great, him and Stallone actually have a, f- a fun chemistry where, uh, yeah, like that guy's just eating like candy constantly, he's drinking, uh, he ain't drinking Pepsi, uh, Diet Pepsi or Diet Pepsi free. He's drinking the full flavor Cokes from the Coke machine later in the movie. Just eating candy. Um, but they, yeah, they they do have a good chemistry, the two of them. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We get the we get the it's Christmas time as we see. There's the Christmas Toys R Us commercial on the TV as Cabretti's eating his snipped pizza and cleaning his gun, which uh, of course has a cobra on the on the on the handle. Uh. And, you know, the news is talking about how they're waiting for them to strike again. And, uh, and then we get, uh, we get a a car hit. Uh, we see a a woman come out of it and we, we get introduced, uh, I, I guess, uh, unformally to Brian Thompson, one of the, one of the best face, cinematic faces in all of, uh, in all of Hollywood. We get... I have this theory about, I mean, I don't know, I've never heard this, but I have this theory that when he got into the business, he's like, he wanted to play all these serious, great roles, and they're like, you know what, we're going to make you the creepiest guy in every movie you're in, pretty much. Oh, yeah. 
I mean, think about the roles that he's, I mean, another one of those super familiar faces and just is playing so many creepy ass roles. Oh yeah, he, he he does it to a T, so it's perfect. Uh, another guy, uh, if you see him in interviews and stuff like that, really well spoken. Seems like a really down to earth, like normal, like uh, normal guy too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd be. I mean, you might know. I wonder, like, if he's acted recently in some stuff. I, I haven't seen him in anything in quite a while. I wonder what he's what he's done. No, I haven't seen him in much. Uh, but Brian Thompson, uh, it's really, you know, one of the cool things about the Cobra Scream Factory Blu-ray that came out was they had, they did a nice, like, 25-minute interview with him, and he wasn't, like, he didn't get really get along with Stallone, uh, he wasn't sent, like, uh, a plane ticket or anything to fly to the movie premiere, he had to buy his own plane ticket because he wasn't, like, formally invited to the movie premiere. Uh, I know a lot of people... Uh, I can't remember if he mentioned it in the interview, but it, I've definitely read it several times that, you know, all the supporting cast and stuff, Stallone did not want them to look at him or talk to him. Really? Yeah, and uh, I've heard that before, like, uh, on other Stallone movies. I don't know if that's because they want, like, them to feel a distance to him because either if you're, you know, one of these uh, New World people, you don't want them to, like, have any kind of chemistry with him because he's the cop or or I'm not sure what it is, but there does seem to be, like like, a Stallone ego that seeped into his filmmaking, um... So I, I don't know what the deal is there, but uh, but regardless, uh, yeah, it just seems like uh, there was something going on with Stallone, uh, and I, I've heard stories like that where Stallone is just kind of like has like an ego about him. Yeah, well, let's hope it's for artistic reasons and not just because he's a dick, right? Yeah, exactly. So, uh, but yeah, we see uh, we see Brian Thompson uh, take this woman out, uh, kills her, cuts her. Uh, and then we get, uh, you know, we, we get a flash of the woman who hit the car that was with Brian Thompson is actually a police officer. So these leaders of the new world have uh, have people of all walks of life. And if you saw the people, uh, the people of the new world banging or clanging axes at the beginning, there was like you saw like, you know, Brian Thompson. You also saw a guy in a suit, too. So they got people from all over the place. And I, I'm not sure what their goal is, but. As most cults and secret societies do, people from all walks of life. Yes, of course. <laughs> and then we get uh, we get Bridget Nielsen. Uh, she's doing this uh, photo shoot for some reason. Uh, I guess we were to believe she was her real hair in the robot '80s montage. Uh, in true Stallone fashion, the, the amazing montage with the with the compelling music. You got, I mean, there's two of them in this one, but you know, fresh off of the amazing. Uh, Rocky Four montages as well, so he knows what oh, he's yeah. doing in those in that sense. So we get uh, Dave Rosk uh, playing the photographer. Uh, he's uh, he's later uh, being uh, you know a little uh, little little scuzzy trying to like straight up ask her, be like, "Come on, you could let's have sex." Like pretty much <laughs> asking her to sleep with him. Uh, we cut to uh, old BT Brian Thompson uh, sharpening this fucking this sick ass goddamn Herb Philpson's discount knife. <laughs> Definitely something you find at a flea market is what he had. Oh yeah, for sure. Probably, uh, 
Yeah, something Rick to Life sold the people up front that they would sell when you walked in. <laughs> uh, so uh, this, you know, this uh, the the uh, photographer David Rosk is uh, killed. Bridget Nielsen that plays the character of Ingrid. She's uh, chased down by Brian Thompson wearing the the classic '80s pantyhose. What are you gonna do if you need to disguise yourself? You crush your face into a pantyhose. And you cut some eye holes, and that is your protection. You wear pantyhose on your head. Where do you think that came up? Like, I bet that I feel like that was a thing. Like, where did that come from? You think where people thought that they could? I think it needs to come back. Themselves? What's that? I think it needs to come back. <laughs> I mean, like, even if you're gonna steal deodorant at Target, I think you should wear one of those into the store. I say we bring it back. Yeah, we're slowly but surely. This guy doesn't have a ski mask. He's rocking the... We'll uh, just do petty crimes and, and put those on before. I'm all for it. I feel like there'd be more of a focus as to why we... we Not that we're committing petty crimes, but that we're actually going out of our way to bring that back. The pantyhose on the head. <laughs> so good. So Bridget Nielsen is recovering in the hospital after she's been distraught and attacked. And uh, something I thought was funny is Cobra and his partner are, are like nosing through her food that she hasn't eaten yet. Yeah, we go back to the food topic here. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I think it was cake or something. Yeah, it was cake. Through. Like Cobra was looking at the salad. They're like, oh, you were done with this, right? Like, uh Typical, you know, entitlement of cops that you saw in 80s action movies. I mean, I'm sure... As we know, it probably exists now. Uh, I mean, I don't know if they're in patients' rooms eating their... I don't know why you'd be like, yeah, I want to eat their hospital food. Just another random thing that's in the film that we'd have to, we'd have to ask Stallone about, for sure. Uh, we cut to Brian Thompson dyeing his hair black uh, with some kind of mixture in like a little like Predator from Predator 2 thing where he's mixing the shit in to heal his wound. Uh and uh, I don't know why Brian Thompson, the actor, I understand he's playing the the Night Stalker or whatever you want to call him, but he has the most distinguished fucking face that's ever landed on a human body ever. And he thinks dyeing his fucking hair black is gonna fucking throw people <laughs> off the fucking trail. I'm like, yeah, they'll never guess who the fuck I am. That is a yeah, that is a hilarious part. It's like this this motherfucker doesn't have the most distinct face you've ever seen on a human being, but. Let's dye his hair black. He'll be good to go. Well, I think he thought that, and he's like, I'll kill this fucking guy, this janitor with glasses, and I'll wear wear his fucking glasses. <laughs> so he puts on the glasses, got black hair dye. He's still got his fucking Shao Kahn face. Everyone knows who the fuck he is. Uh, he comes to the hospital to, to take out Ingrid. Uh, and, uh, well... We obviously know that the cop that's in the new world, uh, the you know the leaders of the new world or whatever you want to call them, has tipped off. They called the they called the Cobra's partner, told him to meet him at his office. So he left, freed up the Night Stalker to go in there and go after Ingrid. She uh, luckily escapes him and uh, hits the fire alarm, and uh, Cobra shows up, and uh, yeah, so. She avoids him at, at that one. Obviously, that was the 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 female police officer that's inside the cult that tipped him off. And uh, uh, but before that, they show up to Cobra's uh, apartment, and uh, it was pretty interesting because we got um we got a big neon Pepsi signer out outside of his apartment. Uh, more product placement. Uh, 
And uh, yeah, we see the female cop is who's in the inside for the cult is assigned to take Ingrid upstate. So they're 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 working from within, and, and obviously Cabretti is partner, the chief, the sergeant. None of them know that this woman is you know is infiltrated into this gang. And for a while, the you know the captain and the police chief and everybody they don't. Cobra's trying to tell them this is not just one person. This is a coalition of people. Throughout the entire the entire movie, these uh, his higher ups seems like the dumbest uh, people on the the dumbest cops on the planet. Um, it's like uh, the way it's written is, is so funny because uh, they don't want to listen to anything he says. Nope. He's right the whole time. They shoot him down constantly. It's just like the classic, like we talked about before, the classic, uh, you know, uh, renegade cop and uh, nobody wants to hear what he's saying. Yeah, 100%. So but, we... but, but the real true hero. Of course. <laughs> so uh, they're going upstairs uh, or upstate. We get we get another chase scene as the you know the cult is after them again. Uh, we get a music montage. They're, he- they're still then they're heading upstate with Ingrid. We get the ac- a scene of them axe clanging again, and then we got uh, they end up in the a little diner. They're still heading upstate. Uh, they're in a little diner. Bridget Nielsen's squeezing the shit out of some ketchup into her fries. Cobra's got a big big fake burger. And Cobra's. Co- Cabretti's freaked out by the amount of ketchup she uses, which is, again, going back to the fruit thing, which is just, oh, yeah, the like high, fruit, said, the high fructose corn syrup is eating them alive. <laughs> and uh, he sees uh, Officer Stock, who is the female cop, who's on the inside. Uh, he sees her making a call, and you could tell that Cabretti's suspicious of her. Uh, you know, one thing leads to another. She she ends up getting herself revealed. And uh, we get a huge shootout, motorcycle chase scene, the whole fucking thing. Obviously, it's a uh, it's a standard issue for any '80s action movie. I gotta say though, this the the, the one of the coolest scenes in my well in the movie, I feel like is the the whole montage of of them being in that small Northern California town, and then all the bikers and all of the guys like storming the town. Yeah, just the way they shoot that. I don't know. It's really cool. Like. Uh, the music that they put to it, uh, just the guys cruising in and the trucks and the fucking the motorcycles. Uh, I think they showed like the local sheriff coming out of his office and somebody attacks him. It's just a, it's a really cool build up to like uh, to them finding him in the in the final scenes there. Yeah, they uh, for some reason I feel like a lot of action movies kind of get written off as mindless, but there's a lot of style uh, in some of these films. Uh, and Stallone always I feel like. Even with you know the, some of the later Rocky movies and the First Bloods and stuff, obviously it's uh, especially with the First Blood franchise. There's a lot of carnage. There's a lot of killing. There's a lot of this. There's a lot of that. But I feel like there's a lot of stylistic elements that are swept under the rug just because it's considered you know an action movie, a genre type movie. For sure, and this one especially, I know that you know you and I personally have gone back and forth about you know, the actual genre of this movie, like, I think you could, you could pin it in a lot of areas. You could make, it's an action movie. It's a thriller. I mean, there's a lot of horror elements, of course. I mean, you got a serial killer essentially running around or serial killers. I should say a group, uh, of brutally murdering people. Um, so yeah, I mean, stylistically, all of those elements mixed in, I think that's why this, you know, is one of his most severely underrated flicks, and maybe you know one of the more underrated uh, action flicks. Yeah, for sure. I think it's whenever 
you mentioned it to somebody who's a fan. I feel like anybody who's a fan of this film, that, that you know, uh, bottom the real ones know. You know the sure. the real sure. the real fans of these films. Whenever you drop Cobra, people the the real ones know. We get a we get what is this is like a steel mill right at the end. It's like a steel mill right with the the, the final scene is one of the final scenes is in. Yeah, because it's like a like steel mill, like metal stuff. So they're like heating up the metals, and there's like all that kind of stuff going on, almost like a factory type setting. So we get uh, we get a showdown. Uh, we get Officer Stock uh, in, jumps on Cobretti's back. He's having it out with uh, with Brian Thompson. Brian Thompson's character has a great little monologue that kind of reverts back to you know what we were saying when the reporters. And when Andrew Robinson's character uh, was telling Cabretti, you know, you don't have any regard for anybody as long as you get what you want and you catch your guy like you don't care who dies and blah, 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 blah. And the reporter calling him out saying, you know, didn't this guy that you just shot and yeah, you saved some lives, but doesn't that guy have some rights and things like that? We get Brian Thompson saying, let's bleed pig. Uh, And... uh, and he even he almost like mocks the process of the people that are trying to say that Cobra goes about things the wrong way and says, you know, even I have rights. They'll say I'm insane. They're civilized. So he knows that like there's an overall consensus of like Cobra does stuff. This guy does stuff the wrong way. You know, your superiors are going to say that, you know, you didn't go about it the right way and I'm going to fucking get plead insanity and they're, you know, and I'm going to go into the loony bin uh, and pretty much just mocking Cobra, being like, "Yeah, you, you're either way, you're you're fucked." Like, because if you try to take me out, and you do, you're seen as the bad rogue cop that didn't let, you know, the justice system handle the scumbags. And then if you do take them out, then you're or then you're seen as, you know, or if you don't take him out, he's just gonna plead insanity, and he's gonna pretty much escape, you know, the ultimate justice that he des- he deserves to get. For sure, and we go back to that struggle again. Like we said, that's you know, even to this day that uh, we're dealing with, and, and cops deal with the same thing. You know, I'm sure that uh, it's not easy for them to. Uh, they kind of that's what I mean. This is like touching on that. Like, what is actual justice? You know what I mean? Like, if someone does such a heinous thing, do they deserve that justice, or do they deserve to be put down? I think me and you both <laughs> have a certain opinion about that, but we we like it the Corbetti way for sure. Yeah, and it's, you know, this is obviously different because these are people that are, like, committing, like, heinous crimes out in the open. They're not, you know, being profiled because of who they are, uh, which is not, you know, not something we're saying. But obviously, you know, it's all it's all conversation that I think still we're still having all these years later. 100%. And like I said, this, you know, I think this, this touches on that... Uh, really deeply in the sense of the media when the media seems like towards the beginning and then how his superiors treat him for sure yeah so uh he actually sees a pre yeah he gets a pretty frank thompson gets a pretty good death in here he gets hung on the the big hook texas chainsaw massacre style and uh reeled into the, the steel mill fire yeah i mean that's a way to go for sure and uh we see uh his uh, Cabretti's partner, he's he's recovering. He got shot, so he's uh, he luckily survived. He's recovering. Uh, Andrew Robinson's uh, character, you know, comes up to him. He's like, you know, you know, pretty much giving a half-ass apology. 
uh, about how he, he got it done or whatever, and he, he takes a good old slug from uh, a good old knuckle sandwich from Cobra, and, and that's pretty. Then that, that's our film. We got Cobra, nineteen eighty six. What a what a what a film. Oh, like I said, one of the most underrated action films. Definitely, uh, Stallone's probably most underrated film for sure. Oh yeah. And uh, yeah, this uh, you know this uh, like I said, uh, Brian Thompson had issues with the special effects guy. Uh, I know he uh, the director George P. Cosmatos he had issues with, but uh, you know the effects person told him uh, that this little gag they were gonna do on his on his chest, uh, and it and it blew up and it hit his chin after he said that you know that it was gonna, and the special effects team didn't think it was gonna, and it did, so he got injured. And hurt from there, he got lit up from the effect. Uh, so this is actually, in in part, a canon film. It was obviously ma- mainly funded by Warner Brothers, but uh, it was also, you know, uh, in association with canon. The canon logo uh, doesn't appear anywhere in the film's opening or closing credits or on any pub- publicity materials. The film even ends like a traditional canon film, with the film's title frozen on uh, frozen on the screen after the credits stopped rolling, but does not have the usual Canon logo underneath it. Uh, Golden Globus, Globus uh, receive only uh, on-screen production credit for this movie, reportedly because it was primarily a Warner Brothers production that gave them a producer credit uh, in return for voiding prior agreement that Can- the Canon group had with Stallone. Huh. So a little bit of uh, studio yeah. controversy there as well. Big time, yeah. I didn't know that. I mean, I got, yeah, because they don't show that the logo at all in the in the opening or the ending, right? At all. Yeah. That's crazy. And uh, it, Brian Thompson talks about this in the um, in the Screen Factory special edition. He said during a break in filming, uh, Brian Thompson walked over to Sly uh, and uh, director Kuzmatos and uh, to discuss. Uh, the character's motivations and his backstory and uh and would have some polaroid pictures for personal files and stallone agreed and told uh cosmatos uh to get him what he asked for but they never used it so i'm sure stallone was just like glad handing him at that point you gotta imagine right and uh i know this is i know this is like well known that uh george b cosmatos was uh Get upset on set. I mean, this isn't the first movie that he was upset on, but uh, uh, but yeah, he was just uh, just seemed like a short fused guy. Uh, everyone had issues with that uh, that ever worked with him for some reason, but yeah, that Italian anger is what it was. Oh yeah, he definitely did. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so the chase music uh, by Sylvester uh, Levey. Uh, was used in several trailers, mainly from Canon, notably in the trailer from Bloodsport as well. Oh wow! Talk about connection between two amazing films. And uh, I know that there was a so there was a there was a the, so the body count fifty two forty one of them are killed by Cobra. <laughs> so high body count as well, and I know that there was a. There was a two over two hour cut that was circulating out like a work print that was circulating in the nineties, I guess, uh, where it was even more graphic, and uh, some of those scenes were in the original edit, and it got labeled an X, so they had to uh, cut a lot of stuff. But 
Apparently at some point, and I don't know if it's even possible to get your uh, eyes or hands on any kind of copy of it, but there was a, a supposedly an over two-hour cut that had a lot of graphic stuff added into it that gave it an initial X rating back when it first uh, was making its way through the MPAA uh, hearings and stuff like that. Yeah, I was reading about that. It sounds crazy. They say it's like there's like almost an hour of footage, right? Yeah, that, yeah. What, that, I mean, that's insane. And some pretty explicit stuff from if you read into it, but I guess yeah. it was a really, like, rough, really rough, rough stuff, but that'd be interesting to take a look at. So, where, where would you rank this as far as, uh, I mean, I guess as far as Stallone movies, as far as 80s action movies, you know, this seems to be, like, a fan favorite. I feel like anybody who sees this film really likes it. I think it's one of Stallone's best in the... I think, you know, he, 85, 86, he hits us with Rocky Four and then hits us with Cobra. That's a pretty solid one-two punch, I think. Oh, for sure. I mean, when I rank, like, you know, every time I, I love Stallone so much, we all, we both do, I know that, but when you, it's tough to rank his movies with Rocky, so I always put the Rocky franchise outside of it. But, I mean, outside of the Rocky franchise, this is arguably, you know, between this and Over the Top are probably my two favorites, so. Yeah. And then when it, when it comes to action, uh, 80s action, it's, Definitely one of my favorites. I think it was for the reason, you know, we were talking about earlier. It's like, I love the dark, like, horror elements that it has. You know I mean? It's pretty much, it could be, it could be, it could be viewed as a, as a horror, uh, as a horror flick. And I just, uh, you know, the whole storyline with, like, the, the uh, cults, uh, like, secret society type stuff of these people trying to, like, take over the world. And it's just a really badass story. And, and his character is, is awesome. So, so... I, I would agree with all that. I think it's it's definitely one of his uh, better films. I, I love a lot of Sly, Sly's work, but uh, it goes back to that, too. I mean, Scream Factory releases, not Shout Factory. Uh, you know, there's... If you put masks on... If you put, like, uh, you know, scary-looking masks on everybody that's in this cult, this New World Order cult, you know, does it, it does it make it a slasher film at that point? I mean, pre- I mean, pretty much. What's what's really the difference? You know what I mean? I mean, what? I mean, yeah, hundred percent. So, I mean, this is and this is why. If you go back to our top ten slashers without sequels, I had this one on my. I think it was to be two ten or five, whatever we did. Uh, this was on my list. We did ten, uh, and this made my list for top ten slashers without sequels because this is definitely. I mean, it's a lot of things. It's a lot of different things. But you could also say that about Scream. Like Scream is a is a slasher movie, but it's also like a dark comedy. For sure, yeah. No, I'm in agreement with you. I mean, it's a. I mean, it's even a, it's a giallo. I mean, we got an Italian director. We got a we got a serial killer. Yeah, yeah. We got we got, we got a cop trying to find him. One hundred percent. So uh, there it is, folks. That's uh, Cobra. And uh, coming later this week, we will have uh, Ben Deedles from Neon Brainiacs on, and we will be discussing Commando. So a- another uh, another barn burner of a film. And then, uh, yeah, we'll be rolling on after that as we continue Action Movie Month here in the month of January for the Heart Guy Media Podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, wherever you can stream us, listen to us, uh, tell your friends, tell your wife, uh, check us out. And uh, yeah, this has been uh, 
another episode of the Heart Guide Media Podcast. And uh, Eric and I both thank you for uh, checking it out and, uh, yeah, giving us a little bit of time. And hopefully, if you haven't seen Cobra before you listen to this episode, you, hopefully you uh, will have watched it first. Uh, uh, we did a pretty good job explaining it, but as a movie you need to see. So if you have not seen it, watch it. If you have seen it and you heard this episode, thank you for listening and watch it again. So, uh, yeah, Cobra, 1986, what a classic. 100%.